From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Spotlight. Come here, let me look at you. Spotlight, I want to keep digging. Welcome to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the brand identity theorist. And now, as you just heard, it's time for our Spotlight segment. And Americus and I are excited to welcome our colleague, Rod. Raghu Iyengar, who's the professor of marketing at Wharton, he's got a fancy title too, but I don't have it written down. What's your fancy <laughs> what's title, your fancy, Raghu? What's your fancy oh, title, Raghu? I, Come on, tell oh, us. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. having me. Sir. Yeah, uh, no worries, I'm all good. The Myers Bush Wharton 1885 professor. Oh wow, very nice, very wow. fancy, very cool. Um, so he's he does a lot of research on customer analytics, yes. on subscriptions, on mm. loyalty. Mm-hmm. He's one of our experts in all of those areas. He also runs our customer analytics initiative, so he's been like quite busy lately because a lot. Of People are coming to Wharton to learn about AI and customer analytics, and Ragu's the guy to talk to. Mm-hmm. But we asked him to come here a little bit to talk about this exciting idea about the India consumer, because he also knows about that. And as you heard it w- with our last guest, Tim Cook is in India right now opening wow. up Apple stores because he's banking on the growth of the Indian market. And we wanted Ragu to come in as a marketing professor and someone who knows India to tell us a little bit about what he thinks is going to be some of the challenges of going into India and some of the differences. So, Raghu, with that, what do you get to say? <laughs> right. No, again, thank you for having me. I mean, it's certainly very interesting. If you think about the Indian market, uh, just to like at least in the, um, in the cell phone mobile market, there are 600 million smartphone users oh. out of 1.4 billion, which is the overall population of the country. Mm-hmm. And if you look at any estimates, uh, you know, if you look at the U.S. Uh, handset market, you can look at perhaps even the Chinese market, you do see a downturn. Uh, things are saturating out. Mm. Uh, so not surprisingly, everybody's heading to a country where things are not saturated out. Mm. Uh, so certainly that is, uh, you know, a big market per se. But at the same time, the big trade-off here is if you think about the general prices for handsets in India, they're mm. much substantially lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, than what perhaps an iPhone would be charging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the big challenge for Tim Cook and Apple in general would be how do you kind of use the fact that you now have a footprint in India to sort of give an experiential twist to justify paying the higher prices. Interesting. So most companies in India so far, for example, Apple, when it's gone in, uh, which is as a physical store now, but it was there from third-party retailers or all of that. Now it wants to give its own high-touch experience. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, well, this is interesting. Can you help me understand a bit, Raghu, the, the, the Indian consumer, and more specifically, this notion, 600 million folks out there with cell yeah. phones. How does technology cell phones fit into their lives in ways that are different or similar, like culturally, to what we think yeah. we understand in this country? So I think there are many examples. So I think the biggest one, uh, which now I think has become a little cliched, but it still uh, sort of uh, really puts the whole sense of what the cell phone has done to Indians, mm-hmm. is that most people for the longest time had a hard time getting uh, landline phones. Uh, just because, you know, the government regulations and actually getting a landline in different places was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike here, for example, in the US where, you know, landline connections are a dime a dozen. 
Um, and so what happened was for the Indian consumers, they basically went from having nothing mm. to actually getting a phone. Oh, interesting. Um, so pretty much the phones, like pretty other places, emerging markets like Africa, even China, for example, India, is pretty much the be-all and end-all. It It is used uh, for monetary transactions mm. more so than here. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, do they have Uber apps? Do they have Uber apps there like China does? They have everything. I mean, they have... Uh, Google Pay, for example, which is very interesting. So I, I'll come back to that. So for instance, one of the big challenges for Apple uh, is that uh, while it's charging all this money, Apple Pay is not available in India. Uh. Uh, so it's an interesting conundrum for them. So for example, Google Pay is available. Um, the Indian government started its own kind of uh, fintech sort of uh, you know, payment service. Okay. Um, and you can imagine that scale is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you start something in India, I mean, <laughs> you can easily scale up quite fast after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly, I mean, I think uh, the phone is pretty much the big portal mm. uh, with which... Oh, uh, so that's like a classic leapfrogging strategy, yeah, yeah. right? Classic yeah. Leapfrog. yeah. So um, they and were there are many examples. I've had a chance to work with uh, through the center. Actually, I've had a chance to interview some people in India uh, who are in the administrative services, so IAS, Indian Administrative Services, and they've given us a fascinating kind of uh, sort of set of examples of what phones have done. So I'll give you one. Uh, So for instance, in many places in India, deep south, where it might be very hard for, let's say, officials to come in and help farmers, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, farming away, and it's very hard for them to kind of get assistance. Mm -hmm. So what they have started is an app where the farmers take a picture of their crop uh, and using AI and so on and so forth, they can immediately give them feedback as to whether the crop is fine or is it kind of uh, ridden with disease and what might be good next steps. And so things of this nature, like in terms of communication, all of that has radically changed. Wow, wow. That's cellular agriculture, Barbara. Yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty cool. cool. That's, that's so, you cool. know, what you're saying reminds me of some of the things when I was studying China and retail in China was that the government played a pretty big role there. Yeah. Um, and it's, I also believe the government in India plays a big role to kind of protect Indian businesses against. Mm. Um, is that true? Like that's what I know that yeah. they did some things that kind of made it harder for Amazon to spread really quickly. Yeah. Um, so what do you know about that aspect? Yeah, so it's an interesting uh, kind of time right now. So on the one hand, of course, the make in India, uh, you know, the, the idea that India should become as much as possible self-reliant mm-hmm. has actually helped it during this downturn. So I was looking at some uh, World Bank reports and they said so things of the following nature that if there is a 1% drop, uh, for example, of things in the U.S., how much does it affect other economies? Mm. In fact, for India, it only affects it much, much smaller than other emerging markets. Oh, yeah. Just because oh. it's a little bit more self-reliant. Gotcha. But having said that, you know, the government also realizes that one of the big things that they would like to do, given the general geopolitical environment right now, especially with China, is that they want to attract as much manufacturing as possible. And so they're giving gigantic incentives. So Foxconn, all of these companies that are actually kind of helping Apple as well. And Apple itself wants to do a lot of manufacturing in India. That's what Mark so, was talking uh, about. He was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're, I think, straddling kind of a fine line between helping Indian businesses, of course, but at the same time, attracting all these uh, foreign investments coming in 
to set up a manufacturing hub, which hopefully would be a little bit more predictable mm. than perhaps what happened in China. So you've defined when America's asked you the China, I mean, the Indian consumer is different. You actually said, well, he's actually he or she is actually leapfrogged the American in some way, <laughs> oh, and they're more That's reliant amazing. on the mobile phone. And then yeah. you gave oh, that absolutely. agricultural example. But I also have seen pictures, and I have been to India, but not in yeah, a while. Um, you know, their retail is quite different. You know, yeah. it's a lot of little mom and pop shops yeah. it's mm. not mm. so that there's a lot of little little kinds of businesses yeah. and when i think of india it's not the picture that you're painting yes. that comes to exactly. mind yeah. so can you comment so, on that absolutely and i think uh, this is also a very interesting divide i mean again uh, as with any large country you have extremes so you of course have the ultra luxury which i know uh, is your next segment that's right, coming right. up uh, but you also have for example a lot of kind of you know, a bunch of India, which has not gotten, uh, you know, as self-reliant. Uh, it is actually dependent on those mom and pop stores. They're called Kirana stores, which is just like the corner stores, basically. Mm. Uh, and what has happened is uh, they themselves have upped their game. Uh, so let me give you a small example. Like my mom, who lives in Bangalore, uh, she has one of these corner stores right uh, pretty close to her apartment. Uh, and the corner store guy realizes that there are these quote-unquote, internet portals that can deliver stuff at home. So what he has done is he employs a bunch of kids and, you know, not just kids, I mean, older people as well, uh, who basically deliver groceries. Ah. Uh, so what they have tried to do is to become as kind of personalized as possible because at the end of the day, he knows his local customers yep. much better than any internet portal will ever know. Mm. And so he is very proactive. So he tells my mom, okay, I know you you usually order these things around this time. Let me just pre-order it and keep it for you. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. That's, and interesting. So that's I think hard it's to like, compete with, actually. You know, oh, that kind of exactly. personal attention. It's very hard to compete with because she obviously trusts the guy who is right there mm. as opposed to waiting for some, you know, delivery person who will show up mm. and from somebody who might be changing from one time to another. This is the reliant person who is the same guy that he's, she's been buying with uh, for a while. Got it. So how, what is the role of Amazon there? Is Amazon big in India? So Amazon uh, is pretty big in India, especially from the technical side. I know a bunch of people who are employed by Amazon. Mm. Uh, Amazon warehouses had been very big, so they could not get direct entry. And so what they had been trying to do was to partner with other companies serving as, quote unquote, the, the merchandiser so that they could become the wholesaler. Um, so in that sense, I think they are already a pretty big role. But given the fact that the government is now opening things up, it will be quite interesting. In fact, they've opened up for any number of countries. Like whoever wants to come in, they'll obviously evaluate everything. So I think what might be interesting is when they start opening things up even more, uh, will it play a bigger role? That I'm not sure. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. I mean, that change, it is interesting. We saw this in China, too, how important the role of the government is yeah. in encouraging this economy or regulating this economy. Yeah. Um, and as you study, if, you know, if you're doing business in the U.S., if you're so arrogant as to think when you go into another country, it's going to be run like the U.S., you're in for a bad, a bad landing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think many of the things actually are from, as you were saying, Barbara, I mean, you know China well. Um, many of the things actually are from China as well, which is this idea of cash on delivery. Uh, you know, that was, I think, I believe started in China, which is unlike here, for example, where, uh, you know, you go on Amazon website, put in a credit card, you get your delivery. Many people don't have credit cards. Mm. And so they will actually pay cash 
on that delivery. Well, Raghu, thank you so much for joining Excellent. us today, and thank you for that expertise. And I know you're, you know, associated with the center and stuff. Yeah. So, where can our listeners go to yeah. find out more oh. about what you and your center are doing? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you again for this opportunity. We actually have had a recent kind of merger of two centers. Uh, one was WCA Wharton Customer Analytics, mm-hmm. and another was AIB. Uh, which was a- AI for business at Wharton. Got it. And so the combined center is called AIAB, Artificial <laughs> Intelligence and Analytics for Business. Artificial uh, so Intelligence. AIAB. 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 Okay. Artificial Intelligence and Analytics for Business. Beautiful. And if you just Google AIAB and Wharton, you should be able to see myself and my two other co-directors, which is Karthik Hosanagar and Sunny Tambi. Nice. So we are excited. Please come on in and check out the website and see all the things that we do. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Very, very.